Welcome. My name is Martin Pedioni, and this is Finding the Road. Last time we were together, we were discussing the dilemma we have as people of faith confronting the politics of abortion and pro-life. Trying to find the road to a world without abortion that understands and acknowledges the dignity of women. In this episode, we're going to discuss the kingdom of God and how this concept is the foundation of the pro-life movement. We'll discuss two vastly different interpretations of what this kingdom is and how these interpretations can affect the actions of those in the pro-life movement. So come along with us as we journey towards finding the road. As Christians, we are called to, as the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We need to talk about what that means. Being truly pro-life is more than just stopping women from having abortions. As Christians, we are called to make real the kingdom of God, to fulfill the promise of Christ, who said, I am come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. But what does the kingdom of God look like? There are two versions of this kingdom. One that seeks to institute a nation which is governed by Christians and based on their understanding of biblical law. They look to start a theocratic government with Christians in control. This type of kingdom philosophy, adhered to by Christian nationalists who identify with an autocratic Jesus. This kingdom uses law to impose Christian values on others. The other version of the kingdom of God is rooted in service and the image of Jesus as the servant and shepherd king. In these two simple images, the gospel tells us about what type of king Jesus is. In the gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. In Matthew, he again speaks about judging the nations at the end of time, using the image of the shepherd king. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. Matthew's Gospel gives us the truest vision of what a follower of Christ is called to be. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and gave you drink? When did we see you as a stranger, and took you in, or naked, and clothed you? 
or we saw you sick or in prison and came unto you. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. The picture in the Gospels is not of a king on a throne, but of one who is seen in the poor, hungry, sick, homeless, and abandoned. In the Gospel of John, Jesus gives us the ultimate example of the servant king when he washes the feet of his disciples. His words are the yardstick by which we must measure our actions and the pattern that we must follow. Jesus says, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do for others as I have done for you. The images in the gospel of the kingdom of God are not ones where Christians rule over others, but a kingdom where service and love are key motivators. Christ calls us to wash each other's feet, to care for one another, to build up the kingdom of God. Are we believers in a Jesus who sits a throne and commands us to follow the law, as the Jews in the Old Testament were required to do? Or are we believers in the Jesus who washed the disciples' feet and affirmed that we could find him in the images of the poor, homeless, sick, and incarcerated? This is the most important question of our lives, and it informs everything we will do going forward. For me, I believe in the kingdom of God where we help our brothers and sisters, a kingdom where we love one another and people know we are Christians by that love. If you, like me, believe in a loving kingdom of God, then your life must reflect that belief, not only in protecting the unborn, but by acknowledging the value of all life and peoples. I want you to remember these versions of the kingdom of God because they will be the thread that runs through many of our future episodes. As a Catholic, when I attend Mass and the priest says the words, Go forth, the Mass is ended, to me that means I must carry Christ with me into the world. And in doing so, I am commissioned to bring forth the kingdom of God. My service doesn't end at the doors of the church, but it must continue in my care for every person I meet because they are a visible reflection of the invisible Christ. traveled into serious religious territory in this episode, but it was necessary because religion is becoming deeply entwined into our political reality, and understanding how it motivates and shifts the political landscape is necessary if we are to be informed and active participants in our democratic process. Abortion has become the bridge issue which has made the linkage between believers in both versions of the kingdom of God. This alliance has resulted in Catholic Christians voting for candidates that have espoused the pro-life position while holding other political positions that are antithetical to the culture of life required by the Jesus and the gospel. In simple terms, we make a deal with the devil 
to protect the unborn while the same devil cut social programs that help children and those less fortunate? Have we become so single-minded that we are selling our souls while believing we are saving our souls? Jesus speaks about this type of church when in the Apocalypse of John, he speaks to the church of Laodicea. He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would wish that you were cold or hot, but because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will begin to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and made wealthy and have need of nothing, and you know not that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. as Christians. We attend church, pray for the poor, drop our money in the offering plate, and maybe we contribute to outside charities. We pat ourselves on the back and we say we are good, but we leave the hard work undone. It's time to decide, are we hot or cold? Christ asks us to make a choice, to choose a side. Are we going to care for the poor, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and welcome the stranger? Or are we going to continue to focus only on the unborn and consider our purpose fulfilled? In our next episode, we'll explore that question and its answers. And so, till next time, may your life's walk bring you ever closer to finding the road.